0: training camp edition is over the people have spoken and we are officially back for the regular season it could not be more excited. i'm jason gibbs he's nick shook he's andrew gribble his hair's done up everything is well i didn't realize
1: we we're in it was brown's polo day and, and the best Someone podcast in the
0: memo I didn't get in my world it's brown's polo day, every day. that's basically my entire wardrobe for yeah. five months out of the year yeah. uh We are happy to be back with you and and excited for the upcoming 2019 season, as all of you are. Uh, The BPA will come out twice a week. We've figured it out, the powers that be, and the powers that be are the two gentlemen sitting next to me. They've come up with with a fantastic plan. It's my job to somewhat execute it to the best of my ability. So on Sunday games, we'll have a podcast on Thursday and Monday after the game. On Monday games, we'll do one I'm assuming Friday night and Tuesday night
1: ish yeah.
0: somewhere around there, yeah, maybe we should do it consistently. I'm not sure. Thursday night we have one game, and uh, it'll be Tuesday and Friday, so so mark that down on your calendar, yeah cross there'll be a quiz right after with
2: this. the brown schedule and your own calendar, and you know put little stars or whatever symbol you want for uh, us to be represented by on your calendar to make sure you get the latest best podcast available.
0: Yes. And this is all designed around game day. We'll preview the game. We'll recap the game. There'll be interviews. People will join us. Luminaries will join us. I think
1: the key thing is that we need to stress subscribe to the best podcast available feed because eventually we will be removing it from the Cleveland Browns daily and more feed. We want it to live on its own, spread its wings and fly. This is a big one. We, we want you to subscribe to the best podcast available feed wherever you get your podcast. I know many, if not most, of our listeners are getting it from the CB Daily and More feed. Go in, subscribe, uh, review only if it's five stars only, uh, and uh, <laughs> just get your best podcast available from the best podcast available feed. It is easy to find.
2: Draft and develop is the strategy.
1: We'll be stressing that over and over again.
0: We're ready to make the leap, and we need you to come with us. We're coming. We're coming to you from a brand new studio setup. There's going to be extra cameras. We put in, by the way, Gribble will like this. We put in a phone system yesterday.
1: That we have huge, three phone lines. Huge. Oh. We're taking calls.
0: Oh, oh, we're gonna have phone guests. We have all kinds of things. We just got to get all the wires figured out. And currently, if you could see below the desk, you would see a pile of wires to the likes of which I don't know where anything goes, but somehow we're making this work and yep. we're on the air. It works. So, I you know, I can't complain about things like that. Uh, welcome to 2019. Real football, guys. We are playing for real Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, uh, a game that personally I, I have been worried about because of our history in openers and how we have approached this game in the past yeah. and the amount of pressure – that is building, and the expectations. But as this week has gone on, I find myself getting a little cocky and a little more confident oh. with every minute that I think some good things are going to happen on Sunday with this football team. Jason Gibbs is cocky about this game. You, even though Does just, it
2: not happen often? You, you kind of let in there. I thought you were going to let me down. You are no. going to take away all the optimism. I don't know. It's, no, not it's at all. Thur- it's Thursday, right? Yeah, it's Thursday. And the pressure doesn't seem to be too high at least within these walls uh I think these guys are really prepared and, and it, you know for as much youthful talent that there is in this roster there's also an equal amount of veterans who I think can guide them through something like this and more than anything I think they're just ready to play football
1: yeah I would say this is this is going to completely contradict itself but I think it's been a mixture of locked in and also very loose and it's that you see it with the veterans specifically Olivier Vernon Sheldon Richardson I mean these these guys have are as loose as it gets going into we see them in the locker room after practice uh they've got good chemistry with the offensive line and 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 you're just seeing that that kind of good vibes going between each other but I think when you get on the practice field and it kind of almost looks desolate because we're so used to seeing it with 90 players on it that when it's down to 53 you know that that's when it means business and really it's down to 50 because these specialists have been going to the stadium and really aren't around for much, much of practice. I mean, it, it feels empty out there. And I think that this is when they're locked in, focused, and they're game planning with a fully healthy team uh, and all the guys who really are going to play. We spend we spend a lot of time in the preseason, maybe even too much of it, talking about guys who aren't going to play and really are not going to make this team or are going to have fringe roles on this team. You know, this is the first time we can really talk about all the good players because they're going to have a major impact on Sunday.
2: Yeah, you know, we're, we're this is not going to be a game where we're going to say, oh, there's 13 – in a bucket hat. Uh, we're going to see 13 with a helmet on, on the field, and uh, ready to go alongside 80 and everybody else who is uh, on this team who these fans are extremely excited to play, to see play uh, together you know, in that stadium I expect
0: it to be rocking. I think it's going to be a, uh, a pretty big occasion. Yeah. It's going to be a big old party yeah. on Sunday yeah. down at First Energy Stadium, and we're hoping by 4.15 the party is growing even bigger because that's when we can actually join. You know, well. Well, 7.30, all right. 8 o'clock. We're hoping for Sunday night Midnight. football and watching, having a beer while, I, while okay, we Okay, I'm that. cool with
1: that. I, I've, I've gone through many Sundays, though, uh, with this job, and uh, this is maybe a little too honest, where you've seen what, you, what we went through on a Sunday, especially during like 16 and 17. And by the time you get home, like, I just wouldn't want to watch football. I just had no, like, I just was like, put on whatever. I, I didn't I even want
0: to, and my wife would text me. She would say, "Hey, if you want to go grab a drink, I know you were working all day. Yeah. You know, with the guys, the la- those two years, I just I'm coming home. I just want to come home. I want to eat, and I probably just want to go to bed. Yeah. I'm exhausted and depressed. Yeah, I and say- I don't think there's going to be many of those here in 2019. No, no, no tears should be shed this week. All right, so Gribble, you and I talked about the roster over the weekend in, a, in an emergency podcast." Uh, and then we spent the weekend watching this team make some moves, some trades and whatnot. As you take a look at the at the roster as it stands today on Thursday, your thoughts, takeaways, things that maybe you didn't expect to see when we started training camp.
1: Well, I think the most important thing is that from what I can remember, this is the healthiest this team has been going into a season opener that since I've been here. Usually you have a couple lingering training camp injuries that show up on the injury report. I think the only one that really qualifies for that right now is Sione Taki, but I don't know how much of a role you were envisioning him having in Week One, anyways. So this is a, a very healthy team. Uh, so you're going to get the this is the healthiest this team is going to be all year. There's there's really no way they enter a game like this the rest of the way. That's my takeaway. The second one is I think that the moves that we saw John Dorsey make uh, over the last 48 hours with the trades and the waiver claims maybe tells me that we were higher on the depth on this team than he was. And I think that he's still searching for more depth, better guys that he believes are better fits. And, you know, you're taking a risk when you go out and claim a player, trade for a player that wasn't with your team at all in training camp. You have to get those guys up to speed. And, you know, as we've seen in the years past, odds are at least half these guys might not work out. But this is what you have to do – to get a player like a Tavier Thomas on your team who plays a special teams core role that the Browns got him last year. Hopefully you get a couple guys that really stick around and become key parts of this team moving forward.
2: Yeah, you know, it, the longer I'm here, the more I start to wonder. It's it's a, it's an obsessive thing, I think, with him, uh, in, a, in a good way. That's how you want your general manager to be, all about their job and, and all about football and, and trying to improve the, this roster at all times. Because I think we went into this, the end of camp thinking well you know these these guys in the bubble we'll see you know what these positions how they shake out we had talked about a little bit on this podcast and and then we got surprise after surprise and it wasn't in the way of cuts but in the way of acquisitions you know you acquire two guards in a four-day span you acquire a wide receiver um the the bottom two of your receiving depth chart doesn't look any really anything like you might have thought it would um and and overall it just proves again that this is a guy who's always trying to turn that bottom third, fourth of the roster to try and improve it and make it as strong as possible, especially for an important season like this. Because let's face it, we've talked. You know, people talk about this all the time. You have a rookie quarterback and a rookie contract. Your window is now, and they've
0: acted with such urgency, and it extended all the way down to cut-down day. Two things. One, on the acquisitions, it's what it's a good problem to have. That means you're good because you're not high on the waiver wire, so you better go out and you better trade for people. Gribs, as you and I talked about over the weekend, and then I think the bottom half of the roster and the moves that we've made I think shows the confidence that the front office has in this coaching staff to be able to take those guys and quickly get them ready to play on short notice uh, for week one of the NFL
1: season, Yeah, the good thing is you are not counting on any of these guys. I mean, I, I don't. Sure. I imagine a couple of them will be active. Special teams, yeah, a couple of them will be active. Maybe Malik Jefferson because he is a really good special teams player. Maybe he's active uh, for this game and plays a role. But I don't see huge snap counts for any of these guys. I mean, there is a possibility with the way your roster shakes out that both the wide receivers you got aren't even active for the game. I mean, that yeah. I think that's in play. I mean, that, so. Uh, it'll be interesting just, just to see how much these guys have a role, but I would say pretty minimal for this week.
0: All right, so excitement, the pressure that comes with winning the home opener, much less the season opener. We know how this team in the past has struggled. There's not one person in the locker room that cares about what happened in the past no. or what's going on. It's almost anger now in this locker room. We're ready for Sunday. We're tired of talking. We're tired of hearing the hype, reading the hype. We're ready to go out and show people whether they talked nicely about us or talked negatively about us. We're ready to go out and show people who we are. Uh, expectation is good,
2: but it can also kind of tire you out. You know, it can, it can just wear on you after a while. And I think the last thing these guys want to hear about is anything that happened in previous years. And And you're right. We can't overlook the history of, with season openers, especially at home. Uh, uh, since this team returned in 1999, it's been a struggle-filled and heartbreaking one. I mean, I, I can think of two off the top of my head. I think it was 3 2 or 3 the, the Chiefs game. You know, Dwayne Rudd throws his helmet. They end up kicking a game-winning field goal in, in the most unlikely set of circumstances you could imagine. And then I think about another one, uh, the Browns opened against the Eagles. I think I was in college, and Michael Vick leads... The Eagles down the field and scores with like 17 seconds left to go to win. I think it was 16 to 14 was the final. I mean, the, these are the types of losses that this team has sustained in the past. But I don't think I know that this this is not the Browns of old, just looking at the roster and, and the chemistry in the locker room and just the way these guys carry them, carry themselves and the way they've matched up against other teams so far. And and, you know, you have to put that history behind you because those guys weren't here. And I think that's the point that they try to get across, you know. As well as we're tired of talking, we're also we weren't here in the past. We don't care about last year. We don't care about three years ago because this is a new year and this is a new group. And and I think Browns fans are rightfully excited that they're uh, they're poised to turn that around.
1: But I just pulled up the game story from the one time the Cleveland Browns have won a season opener, uh, and since the new Browns arrived, two thousand four, Browns twenty, Ravens three. Uh, 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 my favorite line of the story is that Courtney Brown had a day. Against uh, Orlando Brown, Kyle Bowler had a rough day for the Baltimore Oof. Ravens. That is the last time the Browns have won a season opener. I was enter I had just started my freshman year of college. Orlando Brown,
0: uh, his son now plays for the Ravens. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. And that Kansas City Dwayne Rudd game. Here's a great story. I was living outside of St. Louis. Okay. I came in. I had a wedding on Saturday night. Sunday, I stick around watch the game. Yeah. Oh. I didn't go to the game. I watched it with my dad at home. Yeah. I hop on the plane. It's all Chiefs fans because we're flying to St. Louis. It's all Chiefs fans who flew in and the head official who made that call. Oh, wow. And I'm wearing a Courtney Brown jersey. Hot seller. Tormented. No. Everybody was like, oh. We're sorry, but not really. Yeah.
1: When I was reading that, my memory was I, I couldn't believe Courtney Brown was still on the team in 2004. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I didn't I didn't think it he was, lasted that oh, long.
2: I don't
0: He was traded to Denver in 05, right? Him in um, I'm trying to remember. I still have the Courtney Brown jersey. jersey. Just oh. cuz it has Brown on the back yeah. and I'm yeah. like, all right, I can, I can get away with wearing this
2: periodically. My dad had a custom license plate C Brown 1 and you know, if you asked is it Cleveland Browns or Courtney
0: Brown, he said either.
2: Yeah, you yeah, worked out.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a fallback I And mean, the pick didn't just really work out, but you know, all the gear and stuff worked out. It was the longest flight cuz I really wanted to just go talk to that official. I recognized him right away. I mean, the call was was, like, it was correct. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's it's Do you really blow the whistle on that? I mean, that's the yes,
0: probably. But since they
2: didn't, I mean, it's it's the correct call, and it's a tough yeah. way to lo- lose. It was funny. I remember walking out of the stadium that day and and hearing people around just aghast at what had happened. And my dad just goes, "We had the drive, we had the fumble, and now we have the helmet."
1: It's just amazing in hindsight that that's the season you went to the playoffs. Yes. Like when something like that happens and you still manage to go to the playoffs without all the other history with this team, that's that's incredible to me.
0: I I was going to say, there's that moment flying back, and then later that year sitting in an airport in Midway on like a five-hour winter layover flying back down south to St. Louis by way of Chicago Mm -hmm. and sitting in the airport and watching us. Losing the playoffs, back into the playoffs. Oh, ba- oh, against Atlanta, and just celebrating with no one. Yes, and being the total guy that everyone hates in the bar, and but then I started buying shots, and I, then I became loved. Oh, okay. See, that's and that's true I didn't to get care. To form. I don't even think I had the bankroll at that point. Yeah, I still don't have yeah. the bankroll. <laughs> um, so we've talked about the opener. What are you most looking forward to on Sunday? Uh,
2: to see the actual first unit on both sides play football. Together, honestly, I mean, it sounds simple, overly simplistic, but we went through an entire preseason where we saw the first team offense for one series in one game, a half in another game, in which they were pretty disjointed, and then a, a essentially meaningless fourth game. I, I mean, we—it's time. There have been there's football has been played at First Energy Stadium, but it has not been the football that you expect because the players you expect have not played or not played together. So, I'm excited to see both first teams, but really, I want to see this defense. Can what they did in Tampa? against you know a preseason offense, can they carry that over to the regular season? Because if they can, they're going to be in every game, no matter if they score any points, because they're going to hold the opponent to minimal points because they're not going to be able to move the football because they're going to have time to throw, and, and they're not going to have anywhere to run. And, and So I just want to see if that carries over and that, if that holds true to form because if that's the case, we're going to have some good things in our hands.
1: I just – I mean, this is such an intangible thing, but I just want to see what the stadium is like I mean, that's for this long, game because yeah. it's like – I would say in my time with the Browns, which dates back to midway through the 2014 season. The most, the best atmosphere I've seen at this stadium since then was the was the home opener of the 2015 season against the Tennessee Titans. That was when you had two huge touchdown passes by Johnny Manziel. Oh yeah, yeah. it was. Travis an, Benjamin. Travis Benjamin had a had game. a punt return touchdown. Yep. It was a podium game for Travis Benjamin. Yeah. Also yeah. a huge game, it, and it was that was the best atmosphere that I've seen since since that time period. Last year had a bunch of good moments, but that was when like you had the combination of the Johnny Manziel hype train had not gone off the rails completely by that point and also the hope. I mean, you were one and one. Uh and you that you built your roster with a lot of veterans, you had some higher expectations that season. Sure. And then the next week it just went all down the tubes. Uh so it went quickly, it, yeah, it it, it, it went off the rails a little quickly. So I think this will truly surpass that. Uh I don't know to what level, but it's hard in the NFL. You, you The home field advantage is pretty marginal in the NFL, but I, I think almost this atmosphere will be like a college-like atmosphere where you really do have a true home field advantage uh, against a team that, for the Tennessee Titans, the good team that has played good football last years. not a fan base that travels. Uh, so this will be – A crazy fan base that is almost 100 percent Browns fans in there on Sunday
2: you know Jarvis said today too he said um they he anticipates a college-like atmosphere and he had even talked about it when telling Odell about you know what Cleveland is like and you know as someone who grew up you know we all grew up in this as Browns fans and and understanding the you know how much people care about this football team in this area and yet you know in my travels outside of here I've rarely come across anybody who's ever understood that i mean and and primarily because you know this team has not done well in the last 15 20 years so they haven't gotten the exposure necessary to really show that but you know they talk about fans of other teams and and how loud their fan bases are and how passionate they are and i'm like i i understand you know what what you're bringing the table but i grew up in this and and when this team is successful it's going to be unlike anything you've ever seen and
0: and i'm excited for the potential for that to shine through starting with this sunday and with this Sunday, we preview the Tennessee Titans and take a look at them real quick. What scares you about the Titans? And what do you look at about the Titans and say, I, I, I like our matchup against them?
1: Uh, my first thing that scares me is I feel like they've been playing possum all preseason. Like they, It's easy to fall into the trap. I mean, there's been, it's hard to find a team that's been statistically worse than the Titans in the preseason. Sure, They haven't had Derrick Henry. Uh, they don't have Taylor Lewan for this game there's just a lot to not like about their team this year but they have been a team that's been a winning team these last few years like this is full the thing that scares me is this is a veteran team that's been full of guys who know how to win and whether it's and they as as any team in the league they win ugly as much as any team in the league so that's something that scares me and that they i think I don't think they're going to go into their shells with the atmosphere, and right. I think that they are going to be able to handle withstand that. I think when we saw Marcus Mariota here in 2015 when he was a rookie, he went into a shell. I don't expect him to do that anymore. You're now instead of in 15, you were hearing about him with all this potential. Now today we're hearing the the term game manager thrown around, which is it can be a good thing and a bad thing. But I think that's where he's at now. But he's a mature quarterback that can handle this, and I, I think they're a team that can that at least can hang with you. And make you have to make some big plays late in the game, and so for a team like with the Browns, it's low with talent. But as Freddie Kitchens and Dorsey have talked about, not a lot of guys who have won a lot of games on this team. So it's it's it, that's the thing that scares me. The thing I like about it is that there are just so many mit- so many matchups that favor the Browns in this game. I do I don't think Derrick Henry is at is at full strength. Uh, I don't he hasn't really for the Titans hasn't ever played well in the first half of the season. Anyways, uh, they don't have their left tackle who has has played as well as anyone as I've seen against Miles Garrett. Uh, and they just don't have a lot to love at the playmaker session. They have a really old tight end who's good, but he's coming off a serious injury. Like There's just not a lot that I like about the matchups for the Titans, so I'm going on intangibles where they have a lot of guys who you know how to win.
2: I look at this team, and I look at, I think, their defense. And, you, and Todd Monken kind of mentioned this today. He said, you know, I think the surprising thing about them is they play better as a unit than – you know, as the sum of their parts, then individually. And, and, you know, you kind of look at their roster, and, and I think they, they're pretty solid, you know, from the starting defensive line all the way to the back end of the secondary. Yep. Um, you know, they added guys like Brent Urban from Baltimore, who I'm a big fan of, who's kind of under the radar. Drell Casey's a monster. I mean, you, you pull up any of his tape, he's a headache for anybody who's trying to block him. No matter what you know how good of an offensive line you have, he's going to be a problem. Cameron Wake, who is, you know, in his late mid to late 30s now, um, has done a lot in Miami over the years, but you wonder how good can he still be. But he is the veteran presence off the edge. They filled that role. With a veteran guy, before it was Brian Arakpo. Now they replace him with Wake, who's essentially the same guy um, at this point in his career. The big question mark for them is, can they get you know good play out of their second-year guys? Rashawn Evans, the linebacker. Harold Landry, another linebacker. Those guys have to be effective for that defense to be good. Jayon Brown's a guy from UCLA who was uh, you know, he's playing inside linebacker who had a really good year last year, very under the radar as well, and started to get up on, on, in some people's uh, consciousness toward the end of the year. Uh, it's an, it'll be interesting to see if he can continue that this year because I think he's got a really high ceiling. And the, their secondary is really solid. Logan Ryan, former Patriot. Uh, Malcolm Butler, also a former Patriot. We all remember why he's so famous from the Super Bowl. Kenny Vaccaro was a guy who didn't have a job last year, but thanks to an injury to Jonathan Ciprian, was able to come into this job and played really well, much better than they thought. He would play, so he's a strong safety. And Kevin Byard's a Pro Bowler. So uh, and Adoree Jackson plays a slot. I mean, that's it's a pretty solid defense overall, Um, and I I expect you know that they'll play pretty well against a Browns offense that'll give them quite the challenge. But then you go offensively, everybody talks about. Well, they're missing the left tackle. They've got three really good offensive linemen without them. Roger Saffold was a key part of the Rams' offensive line the last few years. Ben Jones is a good center, and then Jack Conklin's a good tackle. And that you could tell when he was not in the game last year for, for Tennessee that it was a noticeable drop-off. So they'll be happy to have him. We know what Delaney Walker brings to the table because he has victimized this team here in the past. Derrick Henry's a big running back, but you know the health issue it comes into question. And then you wonder also as well the last few years, uh, in the Mike Malarkey era, they never ran the ball with Derrick Henry early in the season. It wasn't until late that they'd give him the ball. They kind of started on that path last year and then realized, well, we need to give this guy the ball. And he kind of exploded later in the year uh, and proved his ability. But if he's dinged up, it might be something more like that. And that really hurt their offense, early. And it all really comes back to, can Marcus Mariota get rid of the ball on time? And can he avoid the turnovers? Because that's been his biggest two issues, taking sacks and throwing interceptions. And much like his uh, draft class counterpart, Jameis Winston, that's been the biggest thing holding him back and holding his team back. So, if the Browns can force some issues and force some turnovers, I
0: think they'll be in good position this game.
1: Deshaun Kaiser and Cody Kessler helped make yeah. Kevin Byard a Pro Bowler. Yes. But that last time they came here. Three picks.
0: Yep. Was that 12 to 9? Yeah, in 12 to 9 0. One ugliest games that I've ever seen.
2: I sat down with Kevin Byard after that season and asked him about it. And I said, You pulled so many interceptions in one game. He goes, At one point, I just wondered, why are they throwing these directly to me? <laughs>
0: it was that bad. Yeah, they weren't any like flashy wow.
1: plays, they were just like. No, it, it, it was, was just in him. his
0: yeah. bread basket. That's yeah. what he said. He was stunned. It's a veteran team. I, I, I have said it all off season. Don't go to sleep on them because the time you do is the time that they pull off the win. Look what they did against New England last year. Look at some of the games last year. They had no business even being in, and they mopped the floor with their opponent. So, uh, Mike Vrabel will have his team ready to play when they come in here on Sunday. What's the one matchup the Browns must win? Can be on offense, can be on defense. But the matchup that the Browns must win on Sunday,
1: I think must win is always strong. But I think you have to exploit the mismatch you have defensive line versus offensive line. Like if if they if they if the Titans just get a stalemate on that one, that's a huge win for them. Like they, you need to make them pay for not having Taylor Lewan. Like it, you just have to, you have to make it so every you have to repeat what you did in Tampa throughout the entire game. And I think that that. Is, is is mandatory in this game. I, I just, you have to exploit that.
2: I think their defense is going to come to play. I think they're going to probably play a little bit above their heads because they're coached by Mike Vrabel and it's the first game of the year and they've had a lot of time to study up on an offense. That's going to look a little bit different, but there is still about eight games of tape on what Freddie Kitchens likes to do with this offense. So it's not a complete surprise. Um, so I'm going to kind of agree uh, in that line and, and wonder, you know, are you going to be able to pressure them enough to force turnovers? Because, this receiving core, to me, Corey Davis is a guy who was picked in the first round who hasn't really lived up to the hype. Tajay Sharp's not with them anymore because he's, he's here. and uh, But Adam Humphreys is a nice slot player who I think could help them out and kind of balance out the passing game. And, you know, we talked to Sheldon Richardson about this today, and he said, you know, we expect them to max protect when they're going deep and short passes otherwise. So Humphreys is probably going to get a lot of targets. So you're going to have to pressure the quarterback. You're going to have to force those quick throws, and you're going to have to force some mistakes. And I think the Browns have the secondary and the linebacking core to do that and to be able to take advantage of that uh, as well, as long as their defensive line can take advantage
0: of that uh, mismatch at left tackle. All right, taking a look, stock up, step up. Give me one player whose stock is up going into this game for the Browns and one player that you're looking to see step up uh, on Sunday in the home and slash season opener.
1: Hmm stock up
2: I, mean, I think stock up is I'm going to take an easy pick here I'm just going to go Nick Chubb because I don't know if his stock can get any higher at this point uh he just looks ready to go and I think he's going to be a key part of the offense because again that that defense I think is going to play pretty well and it's going to really depend on him to be able to uh, rip up some yards on the ground and soften them and then open up the passing game yeah the Browns have a lot of talent receiver but you know they're they're dealing with a beast inside and we talk about right guard right you know it's today you know Todd Munkin said they're fine at right guard but If that's going to be your point of weakness, that's a guy who's going to exploit it. So soften him up a little bit, get some nice runs of Nick Chubb, so stock up is there. But uh, step up, let me think about that.
1: Uh, Stock up, I'll go with both of the specialists. I don't know if we ever thought we were going to reach this point a couple weeks ago where both your specialists would be rookies and both your specialists would be who were here during training camp. So I think for Austin Seibert, he came to play the last couple games, showed he was a gamer, fixed something with his technique. He's good to go. Jamie Gillen has been a little bit inconsistent, but when he is on, he is a, a weapon for you uh, at punter. So this is a big, big game for them for stock up. I, I can do step up with uh, with Eric Cush. That's the easy one. I mean, they brought in a couple guys to compete for his job during the season. So if you don't step up, you might not be a starter in, in a couple weeks. Uh, another one I'll throw out there. I, I'll just throw out TJ Carey. I think he hasn't been around. He hasn't. He wasn't able to play much in the in in uh, the preseason. He was hurt. But I think this is another one where the, the Titans could go three wide the, try to, with these with some of these receivers. Uh, the big game, big game for him because I think not. I think he is a really good player, really important part of this defense. I don't know if a lot of fans really view him that way, but he is a key part of this defense as as that slot corner.
0: Yeah, I had Austin Seibert as my stock up player. I mean, pl- kicking with a ton of confidence right now uh, has looked good the last two preseason games. Mike Prefer, the special teams coach earlier today, was talking about how there was a little hitch in his step and how they managed to fix that. And if that can continue to be the case and you don't have to worry about that position on your football team, that would be a good thing, namely when it comes to making extra points. It should not be an adventure.
1: I do, though, wonder – this is just something to throw out there. We, we, I think it's because I saw Phil Dawson talk in an article on The Athletic about teams that are moving on too quickly from their kickers. And I wonder, do you have Phil Dawson had quite a rope his rookie year. Was not a good year for Phil Dawson, in nineteen ninety-nine. He was he was fine, maybe league average. I think I wonder if there's gonna be a little bit more patience that fans are gonna have to understand that this guy's not gonna get cut if he misses an extra point. Like you gotta you gotta ride the you gotta yeah. let this guy get comfortable, uh, and then evaluate him after a larger body of work. I, this is not like you're Bringing in a Dan Bailey and he misses a couple kicks and you got to move on from him. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's not like the Zane Gonzalez had already had a year under his belt and you had to move on from him after that Saints game because that was inexcusable. I mean, this is, there's going to be some, some ups and downs here. It's a rookie kicker. You're going to, it's going to happen. So it's just, you're going to have to bear with it.
2: I think if this season didn't have such great expectations as it does, that you might get that patience probably wouldn't not from browns fans but you're not going to get that i think (laughs) this year so what you hope is that he makes most of those kicks and you hope that also if he does miss a kick it's not a game-changing miss and so you keep your fingers crossed and you also hope that you build a big enough lead that that's not an issue and it doesn't come down to a field goal but of course you know it is the nfl it's a very competitive league and and you can't guarantee that on a weekly basis but uh for my step up player i'm gonna go with adarius taylor and it's not that he's been bad, and it's no, not no, really no. that and he's. And
0: this, the the step up player isn't necessarily a player that is quote bad, right? It, it's just who who's someone that we need to count on that really needs to to be a factor on Sunday's game.
2: And I say that because you know we've talked about Derrick Henry and how you know he may or may not be fully healthy, but he's a big back and everything else, and. And they love, they're love they a run-first team. They like to set up the play action, play action that way. So that makes me think, well, you're probably going to put seven guys in the box then. So you're going to play your third linebacker more than we might have seen them do that in this camp. And that makes me think, well, the third linebacker is probably going to be a Darius Taylor. But then also there's the opportunity for the Titans to take advantage of Deion Lewis, who is the complete opposite of Derrick Henry and can make plays in space. And you can swing the ball out to him in the flat. He can run regular routes. I mean, he's a good player. And he's also very quick. So that's also going to fall on the shoulders of a Darius Taylor. And if he's not matched up with Deion Lewis out of the backfield— Guess who he's probably going to be matched up against? Delaney Walker, who gave the Browns fits the last time they played and has given a lot of teams fits over the last three or four years. He's a big guy. So I think uh, that Sam linebacker role and, and really just that third linebacker role because they do like to move around and rotate is going to be extremely important this week to uh, you know for the Browns to be able to weather some of those mismatches.
0: I, I think the, my step up is just a tight end room. You know, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of question marks after numbers one and number two. And really, Najoku and uh, Demetrius Harris, you're going to be open. You're going to get some looks. Got to make some plays with yep. the football on Sunday. To really keep things – keep the defense honest. And you're also going to have to sustain some
2: blocks on the edge because these guys are yes. quick and athletic, and you're going to have to be able to get into them and, and really you know, hang on to those blocks
0: in order to gain some ground, uh, yards on the ground. All right. The Browns will win Sunday if they do blank.
1: Uh, I'll go with jump on the Titans early. Take take advantage of the home field. Get your defense on the field. Rattle the Titans. Maybe force turnover. I think if you jump on them early, the Titans are not a team I love in the position where they have to play from behind. So I think that's that's the key for me.
2: I'm going to go with two takeaways and 100 yards on the ground. I think that'll do it.
0: All right. Final thoughts going into week one, gentlemen. I'm excited that it's here. Well, let's go. Honestly, I'm ready to go. Let's play some football.
1: Yeah. I mean, my final thoughts are these are the games you have to win if you want to be a serious uh, playoff contender because uh, the, the the first half of the schedule is not forgiving. Like this is in the in the first seven games or first eight or nine games you really have on the schedule. If you want to be a team that's contending, you have to win this game. I mean, I think in terms of – or then you're going to have to win a game where people don't expect you to win because you've got some built-in potential schedule losses on on this first half of the schedule – like, going to West Coast for Monday night and then coming back home in the next week to play Seattle. I mean, the, it's tricky, this first half. So you got to win when all the elements are in your favor, and all of the elements are in your favor for this game.
2: And, 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 you know, the majority of your divisional games are late. So, like, even after you get through these travel issues and everything else, you then have to face the teams that are going to be most like you, that know you as well as anybody and, oh, by the way, those games are extremely important for you to try to win a division title. So there's really no breaks in the schedule throughout, so you, it's vitally important that you get off to a strong start.
0: I don't think we play any back-to-back 1 o'clock games.
1: Schedule's gone.
2: Schedule's, Schedule's
0: gone. Hold on.
1: It was on the wall.
0: Hold on. I, got little- I, I think, was all I ready think, to think, turn think, and look, to Tentatively,
1: your last two games.
0: Yes. Baltimore and Cincinnati. And I would be willing to bet that that Baltimore game gets flexed to a later yeah, slot. There's a chance. I would think so. There could be a lot on, the, on that one. Yeah. Just a little bit. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. Make sure you subscribe. Give him the subscribe info. Subscribe
1: to Best Podcast Available. I know you're getting it now in your CBD and More feed, but eventually it will not be in that feed anymore. Gonna and you're going to be seeing tweets about this and wondering why is it not showing up in my phone. You subscribe to Best Podcast Available. Rate, review, only if it's a good review. Uh, and we want, you, you want this as your primary feed, not CBD more. You should subscribe that too, but subscribe to us as well.
2: And we want, we want your feedback, um, as we continually attempt to improve and make this better for you, the fan, because you are the one who are, who are consuming, uh, this, these wonderful sounds that come through your ears and, and are processed by your brain. So, Uh, Keep giving us
0: feedback and uh, keep on listening because it's going to be a fun ride. We'll be back with you on Monday, late day, to wrap up game number one of the 2019 season. I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available.